Heart. You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. Welcome, everybody, to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast on Corn Nation and JitteryMonkey.com. I am Greg Mahochko. I am one half of your tag team champions of the world and joined uh, uh, with me, my co-host, dutiful, uh, I don't know where I was going with that. I was going to say manservant, but that just wasn't going to come out right at all. But my good friend, longtime Husker fan as well, and uh, uh, co-hosting buddy, Brian Toll. Brian, welcome back. Episode 16, sir. We've made it four months now, give or take. Did you, call, did you call me beautiful? No, I think I called you my manservant, though. Oh, well, that's wrong. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful would have been I'm, wrong, I'm, too. I'm not beautiful, and I'm not a manservant. <clears throat> All right, so I'm 0 for 2. And uh, joining us also uh, on episode 16, part of the Corn Nation family and uh, live via this recording uh, from a hotel in Springfield, Illinois, is our very own volleyball expert, Ty Peter Onitz. And I, I pronounced that right, didn't I, Ty? You did. You nailed it, Mr. Mahachko. And you know why? I do. I do. I, I owe all of that to my brother, which is, is a phrase that I'm, I'm getting accustomed to saying. <laughs> for, for those of you uh, unfamiliar with the Jittery Monkey uh, podcast family, I have a, a show over there called Nerd United. And Ty's brother, Jay, is a very talented comic book artist, uh, and he has been gracious enough to join me on the show a few times, and uh, uh, we're, we're in the works for another conversation in the near future. But uh, Ty, thanks for uh, spending some time out on your Friday evening alone in your hotel room. I, I can't imagine there's anything else you'd rather be doing uh, than, than talking with uh, myself and Brian. This is this is quite literally the most exciting thing that's happened this evening so far. So uh, we've got that going for us. <laughs> do, do do now, we see, want do we want to talk about your travel troubles? Do, do we want to? You know, it wasn't all that awful, but I do. I mean, Brian, I, I want to quote James Blunt, but my voice is not in a place to go falsetto. But I want to say that you're beautiful. It's, it's true. <laughs> I want to say there's, thank there's you. No. I'm not sure about that. And, and I'm just glad that it's wintertime and my boots are handy because it's getting awful deep in here. You know, we're all we're all jealous of Ty today. You know that, folks. You know why, folks? Uh, you, you set it up. Let me knock it out of the park. Go ahead. Uh, so Ty, in his travels to Columbus, and we'll get to that or the reason why he was there in a moment, uh, but he started his day off with a, a delicious meal from Tim Hortons. That's our, right, uh, uh, our our fast food friends to the north. You know, and it was the most Canadian thing ever because it was 11 degrees in Columbus, and, <laughs> and I went to Tim Hortons for donuts and coffee, so it's about as Canadian as it gets. There, you know, there, there's now actually the, a Tim Hortons in St. Louis. I haven't made it over there yet because my mornings start in the other direction, but uh, but it's there. It, it's it's slowly creeping stateside. My the problem I, is... Tim Horton's obsession started because of how I met your mother. And, and so my only souvenir from this journey to Columbus is a Tim Horton's travel mug. Don't tell my wife because we don't need another travel mug. Yeah, and Rip Allen, Allen Thicke, by the, the way. 
Fair enough. I mean, Wendy's is the original place. Uh, Columbus is the original Wendy's. So. Yep, Dublin, Ohio. See, I wouldn't. I I would, not far I, from there. How do you know that, Brian? I read a lot of stupid stuff on the internet while looking at recruiting. <laughs> Fair enough. So. Fair enough. Uh, so let's talk about the reason why Ty was in Columbus. Uh, as I mentioned, he is the volleyball guru. Uh, a little. Do, do we need a little backstory on you, Ty? Your your, uh, your origin story. I mean, I'm happy to. I like that we. I like that we worked origin story in there as a cross reference with uh, with my little brother. You're welcome. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I volleyball has been a, a huge part of my life for a long time. I, I started playing in high school in Colorado, which was uh, a lot longer ago than I'd like to admit. And by accident, started coaching and and kind of allowed volleyball to lead me around the country. It's how I ended up moving from just outside of Denver, Colorado, to Omaha and now Lincoln in the first place. And it's, it's uh, well, needless to say, it led me on quite an adventure. Definitely, uh, you know, to cross over with my Nerd United uh, peeps. That's not a word anymore. Um, but it's like your choose. Always a word. <laughs> it was one of those choose-your-own-adventure stories, and yours uh, uh, landed you in Lincoln, or Lincoln area, correct? I, I am I am properly in Lincoln, Nebraska, though, just barely. Except for right now when you're in the land of Lincoln. See what I did there? Yeah, I see what you did there. All right, moving on. I'm glad somebody did. Uh, so you have been with Coronation for a few years, and because and, I remember I, I met you back in 2013 uh, when I uh, ventured up to Lincoln and met you and David, and uh, uh, your lovely wife was there, and we – uh, ate at Haymarket Mar- Hay at Laszlo's, and that was a good time. Um, so we've been we've known each other for a number of years now, and uh, you've been contributing faithfully, uh, dutifully. There's that word again uh, to the volleyball side of things, and uh, uh, the Husker uh, women's volleyball team. That's why you were in Columbus, Ohio, is because they were in the Final Four. And let's let's talk a little bit about that, shall we? Michelle, yeah, were is unfortunately the uh, the appropriate conjugation of the the verb to be in this case. What I mean, it, it's not. It, it, I I didn't have a chance to watch it last night, or as we record this Friday night for a Saturday morning publish. I didn't watch it Thursday night. It just seemed like they they weren't playing like they are known to play. Uh, I mean that that's accurate. I think. If you, if you look at the way the season went for Husker Volleyball, they, they came, I mean, they stormed out of the gate, played really well, dropped the, the match to Ohio State at home in Lincoln, um, and that, that served as a wake-up call. And if you look at the last two to three weeks, you know, dropped, dropped the match in Minnesota against the Gophers in a match that we probably should have won, and it should have swept the Gophers, but because we, we did the Gophers won it. Didn't play great against Penn State in uh, in the, the regional final, the regional semifinals. So haven't been great down the stretch, but I just they really the Huskers really almost looked like they had assumed the win over Texas and were ready to play either Stanford or Minnesota on Saturday night. That's kind of that. There's your your twenty cent. Your your expert opinion at this point. Looked past the the 
next opponent or, or the current opponent towards the next. I mean, we 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 use that cliche or that saying so often in sports and how teams can, you know, get caught doing so. Uh, you know, I, I, we've talked about the dangers, I think, in, in football of – of you know looking past a, a Purdue or something like that with, with with a bigger opponent the next week, here it seemed like the ladies were, as you said, kind of looking past Texas and 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 uh, uh, having the national championship game in their sights, forgetting that they still had to play one before that. Yeah, and, and I hate to. I hate to say that because Coach Coach Cook is so good about preparation and the things that he does, but it really looked like there was there was a mindset, at least amongst the players on the court, that we've we've swept this team twice in a row now. If you look back to last year's national championship match where they swept Texas, and then uh, again at the very beginning of this season in the uh, the Vert Challenge in Eugene, Oregon, they they swept Texas twice, and so there was that. Uh, idea of, you know, we've swept them twice in a row. Now, there was not a moment that I believed that they were going to sweep Texas again last night. Jared Elliott is too good. He prepares his teams too well. He's going to, he's going to adjust and, and make the corrections that need to be made. But I did not envision us getting swept last night by Texas. I didn't see that. Now, question here, um, and I'm pretty sure Sipple brought it up in his morning column today. Um, his statement is, to the entering eye that Nebraska was just worn down as in worn down from the big 10 schedule, worn down from playing at a high level, worn down from the Penn state five setter is any, you've watched every match, any validity to that to you? To, to, to a degree. Yes. There's some validity to say that coming through the, the big 10 season is going to wear a team down, especially when you look at both Minnesota and Nebraska losing last night. That being said, I don't, I don't buy into that worn down because it didn't show up late in the season. Like, I know it sounds contradictory to what I said earlier. Yes, we we nearly swept Minnesota in Minneapolis, and then I, I keep saying we the Huskers nearly swept Minnesota in Minneapolis, and then you know. Lost ultimately lost that match in five, but you didn't see through the the course of the Big Ten season that wearing down. And, and you want to talk about worn down, you know, pulled off a really tight, unbelievable win against Penn State last week, but then smoked Washington. And and the Pac-12 is probably the second best volleyball conference in the country. I will, if you want my my expert opinion, I think Stanford will beat Texas for the national championship, their size is, is well beyond Texas's. And, and they just, they played a lot better defense from what I saw last night than what Texas was playing. But, you know, the big 10 is the best volleyball conference in the country. I just, I, I don't totally buy that worn down idea. I really look at it as more of a looking past Texas a little bit, but almost like, Hey, we've beaten this team twice in the last 12 months we're going to beat them again kind of kind of situation we told did, did last night cheapen anything for for the big 10 did it cheapen the season at all or is that you don't buy that no i don't i don't buy that for a minute um 
you look at the number of you look at the Big Ten success against other conferences in the early season tournaments in the you know the the August and early September tournaments. You look at the fact that we had three of the top four seeds in the tournament in Nebraska, Wisconsin, and, and Minnesota. Uh, not in that order. It was Nebraska, Minnesota, Wisconsin. You know, and and through the course of the season, essentially. And, w- and without looking this up, I, I can't say for sure, but I'm I'm 97% confident that the only teams that held the number one ranking in the ABCA poll, the the American Volleyball Coaches Association poll this year, were Big Ten teams. It was only Nebraska, Wisconsin, and Minnesota that held the number one ranking in that poll. So no, I don't buy that. Yeah, Stanford, Stanford, uh, you know, matched up really well with with Minnesota, but. Stanford's got a, a gal who's who's six foot eight. I'm six foot seven. And I'm and I'm an enormous dude. They've got one starter who's six foot eight. They've got two who are six foot six. So Tide that's tall, going for to sure. Be difficult for them to pair up against. Yeah, I just wanted to throw my own height in there because I really like to shoot my own horn. <laughs> um, going back to the the match with Texas, aside from maybe, and I know you said that Coach Cook has them always really prepared but aside from maybe that possibility of looking past this opponent with eyes you know towards the national championship game what happened you know physically on the court I, I what I was hearing was that Texas was all over the place just blocking everything uh, you know break it down for us and how how it went so wrong for Nebraska uh, te- Texas really had uh, seemed to have the, the Husker attack figured out as far as where they were going to swing. I mean, and it, it happened a, a lot recently, especially with our uh, with Katie Rolfson at the right side attack, where Katie was very, very successful this season going cross court and getting kills. Uh, you know, both both attacking the gap in that block, and, and when you look at a block, especially at a right-side attacker, often a right-side attacker, like Katie has been most of the last two years, there's often a gap between that middle blocker as she comes over to close the block and uh, the outside hitter who is who is setting that block. There's often a gap in there that a, a, a attacker can take advantage of. So Penn State did a really good job of taking that away from, from Katie, and that's why they, they nearly beat us, because we depended a lot on on. Katie as an outside, as a right side attacker. So Texas closed out really well. Texas also um, got a lot of touches on, especially Andy Malloy and and Amber Rolfson uh, to, to bring up the other. And I, I don't, by any means, let me be clear. I'm not by any means saying that there's a single player, even you know the, the twins who were responsible for this. It was Texas played a phenomenal match and absolutely deserved to win that from every single aspect, but they, they did a good job of getting touches on balls. And in volleyball, even though the block stat, you might have a team whose block stats aren't fantastic. Like you don't look and go, okay, this team outblocked uh, their opponents. That's why they won. But as you watch in the course of a match, if, if attacks are coming and, and it's coming up and it's, it's easily diggable by the defense, easily playable by the defense, they're balls that are the, you know, you've got a girl like, uh, sorry, I'm kind of all over the place, but, You've got a girl like, like Michaela Fecky who absolutely thumps the ball. I mean, when she that ball comes off her hand, the, the speed of that ball is ridiculous. But if the block can touch it and slow it down and change that trajectory so it comes up in the air more and is easily playable by the defense, 
it makes a big difference. Texas did a lot of that last night. They slowed down the Nebraska attack in a big way. It's a long way to go to get to bed. I apologize for that, but anyway. Uh, that's okay. I, I needed that. Uh, I, you were able to put it in terms that I could understand. So for that, I thank you. That's what I try to do. I'm used to Greg just talking for like 20 minutes at a time, but I'm, I'm used to it. But you, that was good. That was actually really good. <laughs> I do, I do dig the whole explanation for us, for me, stupid people. You know. Thank, thanks, well, Brian. And, and I get like, you know. Volleyball and and part of one of the things that's been wonderful about there's been many things that've been wonderful about writing uh, or coordination and all of that, but is is hearing from people who who want explanations about different things in volleyball. And so I that along with my own mother who will sit next to me at volleyball matches and ask me questions that I think are so almost pedestrian. But I'm like, okay, these are things that people don't understand about volleyball. And I really think it's the reason that that. Volleyball is starting to crack the mainstream. It has not cracked the mainstream in the way that that uh, basketball or, or other sports have. And, and why, even though I think volleyball really should be the premier women's sport, why it hasn't cracked is because there are so many things that happen in the course of, of a point, in the course of a rally, that, that a casual sports fan, I hate to say don't understand, because I, I, I don't want to cast naivety upon sports fans, but if you don't follow volleyball, some of the intricacies of the game, it takes some time to understand why things happen the way that they are. And, and they, they've tried through their years recently to change the rules to make it more consumable, but volleyball purists also don't like those changes. So it, it's a tough, it's a little bit of a, of a battle going on right now to try and help volleyball break into the mainstream, but at the same time, make sure the purists are still around the game that they love. While we're talking about consumability, that's probably a made-up word, why, what is it about this program, uh, you know, this, this Nebraska women's volleyball program? I mean, they, the Devaney is packed. It's always loud. It's always raucous. Is it just because of the success that they've had? Is it because of the the fans are a little bit more intelligent to it, a little, little more smartened up? Or is it, or is it just that they go to support the team, even if, like, it was somebody like me who maybe doesn't have that full grasp of it? I mean, what what have you seen in your observations that you know about this program that that has made it just so you know so near and dear to to the hearts of its supporters? Sure, um, you know, last last year uh, in well, I guess it was earlier this year. Still, in, in January, when the, the national team secured the, the Olympic bid in Lincoln, I had a chance to talk to Karch Karai, who is, is the, the he, he does the, the analysis for ESPN, and he's also the women's national team coach. And, and I asked him, you know, about Husker or Nebraska volleyball fans and, and their knowledge about the game. And, and he did say, you know, Nebraska, the fans of volleyball in Nebraska have a special degree of knowledge about the game that you don't see in other sports. Now, I, I could probably talk for a long time about why I think that is, but the, the reality is you look at, break it down very simply, in Division One volleyball, two of the teams in the Elite Eight this year were from the state of Nebraska. Both Creighton and Nebraska made uh, regional finals this year. 
you look at Division II, NCAA Division II volleyball, you've got two teams in Wayne State and University of Nebraska Kearney that are regularly in the top 10. And I, I have to give special love to Nebraska Kearney because it's that program in particular that has that brought me to Nebraska permanently as a resident. And also my wife played volleyball for them. So You, you can't love, spell drunk without UNK. Go Shattering State. Carry on. You cannot spell drunk without UNK, and that's a really funny story that also involves the All-American rejects for me. But anyway. <laughs> that is incredible. Uh, <laughs> that is absolutely incredible. Oh, I, I, man. I, so <laughs> I was totally thinking that, too, when you guys were about ready to say it. I'm like, can't. Oh, yes. Okay. Can't, well, and so so I'll, I'll tell the story now because apparently <laughs> I'm just going to rant. Um, the, when, when my wife and I were dating, we weren't married yet because that would have been weird to be dating your wife and not married yet. Um, I like to clarify that when I talk about my. my I was going to say I'm, I'm 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 glad that it was not just my relationship that was like that. I'm glad that other people are in, in were in similar uh, boats. Continue. No, I, I like to say like when I when I when I asked my wife to marry me. I mean, she wasn't my wife yet. So, um, but you know, when we were dating, UNK had the All American Rejects come and do a concert at the Health and Sports Center in Kearney, uh, and this was, you know. Four, three and a half, four years ago now, and and so the, the rejects were not huge, but big enough that getting them to play a show essentially for the the student government at University of Nebraska Kearney was was kind of a big deal. And so as we're walking up to the Health and Sports Center, this guy in a towel comes running out of the the uh, the pool locker room there at UNK, and we're like, who's who's running outside in this towel? And then he gets into the bus. We're like, oh, okay, we just saw a naked reject, so good deal. Um, and then they did like they wrote a song that was "You Can't Spell Drunk Without UNK" because in, in the process of touring around Carney, which I'm sure took all of 14 and a half minutes. Um, I'm sorry, any listeners in Carney? I love Carney; it's a great city. I really do adore Carney, uh, Nebraska. But he said that he learned all about the, the "You Can't Spell Drunk Without UNK" slogan. American Rejects UNK story. Uh, I will refund your five dollars later, Mr. Mod. <laughs> No, I, I, hey, that, that's a, is that an actual yeah. song that they put on an album, or is that just something that they like play that that show or that night at the show? I mean, is that an actual song that I can YouTube? No, it is not. As far as I have known, an actual show. I, I looked desperately on YouTube because I thought for sure somebody would record it, but I, I have not been able to find it. Fair enough. Ty, mm-hmm. Ty, honest yep. question on this. Go ahead. If you ever saw his face, would he give you hell? You know what? I, I would say I would say unequivocally yes. When I see your face, I hope it gives you hell. Frankly, <laughs> your wife and a man that'll treat you well. Oh my god! Yeah, what is, all of, what all is going on here? God, I haven't heard that song. <laughs> it, are you not? Song. Is it really your dirty little secret? Okay, let's not even talk about it because that is my. <laughs> that is that is. Anytime I play Band Hero, because that's what I have on my Nintendo Wii, uh, because I have not updated uh, a single console since the nintendo wii that's my jam is give you hell by the all-american rejects i'm so lost right now i i i'm old manning out i have no idea what you're talking about that can't be real life is this just re- yeah. is it just fantasy caught in a <laughs> caught in a landslide no, no escape, escape from, from reality. reality we're horrible we are horrible <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about sports a little while ago. <laughs> sprockets. So, so oh, I have a question. Oh, this is the time of sprockets when we dance. <laughs> Spacely sprockets. Fair enough. Anyway, 
<laughs> Carry on. Oh, so, go ahead. So Nebraska loses a, a fair amount due to graduation. Right. Okay. What in, – let's face it, we're a little spoiled when it comes to Nebraska volleyball. Honestly, we are in the whole grand scheme of things. Right. Just going off the paper, what, you know, what, what, is there going to be a big lull from Nebraska? Did they become just a sweet 16 team that, you know, has to grow up a little bit? Are they, are they really going to be, you know, they got a bunch of, you know, I don't want to say what they get back and what they don't, because you know better than I do, but I know they lose a couple, a couple big time players, but I also know some come back and I know recruiting has been good, not great. Um, you know, what, what, what do you really kind of look forward to when it comes to 2017? I think, um, I think dreams of the Huskers are making it to Kansas city next year, which is where the, the final four national championship will be. I think those are definitely dreams. However, last year, even before, I would say before the regional finals last year, the Huskers made it to Lexington last year, which is where the regional finals were in 2015. I wouldn't have dreamed that the Huskers were going to make it to Omaha. I just didn't think that the team was at that point. And then, of course, they ended up winning the national championship. We do lose a lot, and a lot of people are focusing on what we lose. Uh, I, I think the biggest loss is Justine Wangarantis, and, and I I will say, I will argue, and and in fact, uh, here's a shameless plug, um, I am gonna. I'm gonna put a, together a piece in the not too distant future, arguing that Justine Wangarantis is the best female athlete in the history of Husker athletics. Um, well, that is a quick, pretty hot take, sir. It, it 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 is. But if you look at what she's done, and and she's broken Caleb's career dig record at Nebraska and, and the women's national team. Um. And there's a lot of reasons. I don't want to give too much away, but but the way that she sees the court as as a a volleyball coach and and somebody who fancies himself somewhat of an expert in the sport, the way that she sees the court is unbelievable. The way that 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 woman is is where she needs to be all the time is is nuts. She's she's almost psychic in the way that she reads the court. But we do lose a lot with with losing Justine. Uh, we we lose. Here's a, here's a take you probably won't hear a lot. I think we lose more losing Amber Rolfson than we do losing Katie Rolfson, just because Amber in the last four years has played three different positions. And, and if you don't know volleyball, it seems like okay, not a huge deal. But here's here's what I will compare it to, since football is is, is a little bit more consumable. If you went from quarterback to then play wide receiver. Not a huge change because Amber was an outside in high school and then went to right side, which is a big change, but then went to middle blocker. So she went from quarterback to wide receiver to to the Mike linebacker. I mean, it, it's a huge adjustment. The Mike linebacker you expect to be everywhere. You expect that, that, that middle linebacker to, to be closing holes and to also be covering tight ends and all of those kinds of things. That's what, to me, and let me go ahead and qualify this by saying I'm a middle blocker by – by training, I love the middle blocker position. So, so losing Amber is huge. Losing Katie is huge. Losing 
Losing this senior class that we are losing is huge. But Brianna Holman is coming back. Michaela Fecky is coming back. And, and I will say the most underappreciated Husker in the time that I've been following Husker volleyball is Kelly Hunter. The, the way that she runs the offense, the way that she puts the ball where the hitters need it to be, the way that she chooses the hitter who is, is most available and most ready to make to score points for the Huskers is is so underappreciated. You know, they call the the setter the quarterback of the volleyball offense, but everybody knows who's, who's who the quarterback of a football team is. Everybody knows who Tommy Armstrong is. Everybody knows who, and I'm a, I'm from Denver. I'm a big Broncos fan. Everybody knows who Peyton Manning was. Who a lot of people, know, I can't say everybody, but know who Trevor Simeon is. I thought that's where you're going to go with that. I thought you were going to keep it current. <laughs> I, I was, but I mean, I'm guessing there are listeners who are like Trevor who. Uh, although Husker fans remember Trevor Simeon from when he was at Northwestern, um, but but the the way that Kelly runs that offense, and then you, you take not only her ability as a setter, but she she has led the team in digs multiple times throughout the course of this season and last season. She is an offensive weapon because she chooses her times and and generally makes really good uh, good calls and good plays as far as when to dump an attack as a setter, which which is really tough. A lot of setters just try and throw the ball over if they don't feel like the pass is right. Kelly waits until a time when she's pretty confident she's going to score, so she hits at a really high percentage as as an attacker. Um, so Kelly's coming back next year, and and and. My opinion is that you cannot oversell Kelly's importance to the Huskers. You know, next year we've got, I, I expect to see Lawrence Sivrens playing a significant role as a middle attacker. Uh, I, I don't know. I would like to see Olivia Boonder playing outside the opposite of Michaela Fecky, but I don't know if it'll be Olivia. We've got a lot of really good kids coming in. I mean, I, I don't have time to go through the, the, the recruiting class and, and what the Huskers have coming in either. So there's a lot of question marks as far as next year, but again, it, you know, it's hard to know. Coach Cook does a really good job of getting the kids prepared. Been talking a long time. Sorry. No, that's all right. Um, Brian, as we put a bow on, on the volleyball talk, did you have anything else that you wanted to, to ask Ty about regarding volleyball? Um, why can't Nebraska get a cool um, scoreboard like that for – um, Pinnacle Bank. For Pinnacle Bank? Yeah. I think that scoreboard that is in Vandy should be a similar one that's in Pinnacle Bank because I think if you got into a if you got into an arena like Toyota Center and what do the Cavs play, it seems like you get the long version kind of like what AT&T Stadium does where they have the right. long version on the sidelines and I think it's a lot cooler so that, you know that that's an excellent question. It's, it's it's certainly not one that I that I can answer. I um, yeah, Brian. You know, geez. <laughs> of course, I love Nebraska volleyball, and I love uh, the way that I mean, we those the your listeners that don't know, Nebraska is the only self-sustaining and in fact profiting volleyball program in the country. Nebraska actually, the volleyball program is is not only self-sustaining but but quote-unquote, turns of profit. And that's not the right word to use when talking about a state institution. but um, there are They only, are the program. Yeah, there are only three women's sports in the programs. And, and this was as a couple of years ago, but I believe that it's still accurate. There were only three women's sports programs in the country that were self-sustaining, and that was uh, Connecticut, 
basketball. Tennessee basketball. And then after the move to Devaney, Nebraska volleyball. And so why can't we get an awesome board like that in, in Pinnacle Bank? I, because there's precedent there. Because it's supposed to be a cube in basketball arena. Because volleyball arenas, there's no precedent. That's what we threw up in Devaney. That's terrible. Come on. The best answer I could give you. <laughs> Come on, Mark Bone. Come on, Tim Miles. I, I, I stand Forget. with I stand with Ty on this. That was the best answer he could give. Forget Ty Lou's banner that Lee Barfnick thinks would just <laughs> cure the program. Put a damn rectangular scoreboard in the in Pinnacle Bank Arena. I, I, I am not ready to start burning bridges with 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 other journalists. Um, it's okay. I napalm that on accident, but if you're gonna go, go for the gusto. That, that being said, a, a certain a certain writer whose name uh, also is closely related to a small drink from a glass of water or beer uh, was the very last one in uh, Nationwide Arena last night, as far as I could see. Everybody else had cleared away from the, the press box, and he was uh, still diligently doing his job trying to, to meet deadline. Um, now, now so. is this something you know or something you think you know? Oh, no, no, no. This is something I know because I, I walked onto the court at, at Nationwide Arena and took a selfie on the court because I wanted to document the journey. And uh, he was it, was, it was him sitting at his station. And uh, John Baylor was, was interviewing Lauren Cook also for the radio broadcast. And they, they were the only ones still at the, the press tables. See, Brian, don't, don't you feel bad about asking that question now? Not really. I would. Let's uh, we we got just a couple minutes left. Oh, wait, that's kind of a lie, I and mean, we could go as long as we wanted to. But it, it's late; it's Friday, and 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 uh, I want to relax at some point, and you know, take and some time to get this show published. Um, let's talk football real quick uh, because we got some news this week. Just re- relax as we as we continue, and not we, but as uh, Nebraska continues preparation for the Music City Bowl. Remember, December thirtieth, uh, Nashville, Tennessee, against. Tennessee Volunteers. Uh, it was announced, I think it was this morning, although it might have been Thursday. Um, again, as we record this Friday night, but uh, no Jordan Westerkamp as he underwent surgery and is expected out three months, meaning, you know, unfortunately for him, I mean, good slot receiver, probably going to miss the combine, would you say, Brian? It's a really tight window <laughs> of the combine starts the last day of February. Brian, why are you like- talking like this all of a sudden? My, my my microphone's under my fat roll on my neck, kids. Don't do that. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I, I just needed I just needed a clear answer. I didn't really. Y'all want it. me to lie or what? No, he's the the the. It, it's the first week of March, and obviously you can hear Emerson's really upset about this. I can tell um, she she's broken hearted. That that was that was her that was her buddy. Ty oh, took her box away. There's a joke I'm there. Also disappointed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, you know, it, it's a sad ending because I kind of really wanted to see him tie the record with Johnny Rogers. Um, where will he it, go it, down? I mean, no, I mean, obviously no, no championships. Didn't win the Heisman. But where will Jordan Westerkamp go down as far as in, in the history and the annals of Nebraska football and, and, and as far as wide receivers go? I think you always remember the first and foremost, the first touchdown catch, which was the Northwestern. Anybody's going to think about the Northwestern Hail Mary. What about um, the behind the back catch? I think that's second, honestly. 
I think there are people remember the Northwestern first. I think, I think maybe he's like a step below a Kenny Bell. Okay. Really? Maybe it, I. I think so. Because Bell was just Bell seemed to me a little more engaging with the fans. That I wasn't going to go there. I mean, you're not wrong. I think Bell was a little more of a playmaker type of guy, whereas Westerkamp was more of a move the chains, get the first down type of guy. I, I think, I think Bell was a you get the ball in his hands, he's going to make something happen, and and Westerkamp was the insurance guy. Yeah, and and I think because I have to I have to throw the volleyball piece in there. Westerkamp is going to be somewhat similar to Kelly Hunter. I mean, we all loved him while he was here, but in 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 three years, when once Keyshawn's in town, are we going to remember Jordan? Jordan did a, a, incredible things for the Huskers. He doesn't have any records, though. Are we going to remember him? He, you know, th- th- that's the argument you make with Taylor Martinez and Tommy Armstrong. How many how many records do they have yet? What do you remember him as? Do you remember somebody that just was number patterns? Or do you remember for winning a, a, a conference championship? And there's no conference championship to speak of. So in in you know. in a world where you're in a league, I should say, where like the Wes Welkers and the Danny Amendolas have been successful, uh, Jordan Westerkamp does he play on Sundays? So I think he's got to stay healthy. I think he's, I think this year, you know, they're they're big thing, and this kind of this kind of hurt, you know, Kenny a couple times. He got to stay healthy. I mean, he he granted the whole not back thing versus what was it Illinois, Illinois, Purdue, and then he was out a few games, and then this. I think there's really kind of bugs, you know, NFL scouts. You can be great, but if you can't see on the field, you can't see on the field, and you can't help them. So I think I think I think I think he does find a place. I I, I don't think there's a, you know, he's going to have to make something on special teams, um, which is probably something he's probably not used to, right, for the longest time. So I think he's going to have to find a niche there. And, um, you know, a lot of teams, if you're, you know, if they're dipping between one guy or another guy, it's what you can do on special teams is going to help. And, you know, it's not something Jordan's really done a lot. I've seen in his career. I, I don't say so. this to, to poo-poo on, on T.A., uh, on, on Tommy, but it, if you put Jordan Westerkamp in a situation where he can catch a ball in stride and where he's not having to make the spectacular catch because it was a poorly thrown ball, if you give him a, dare I say, and I, again, I'm not, I'm not crapping on Tommy, but if you give him a, a real quarterback with accuracy, I think he could be... You know, and, and maybe this is showing my bias a little bit. I mean, I think he could very well step into, you know, that slot receiver that Wes Welker, uh, um, uh, the, the, not Danny Amendola, but the other guy for the Patriots whose name escapes me all of a sudden. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, I think he could. I could. Uh, Hogan? He, no, it was it uh, Julian Edelman. There we go. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I think he could step into into that type of role. And, and and you know fill those types of shoes and I just I think, hope to God that it's not for the Patriots. Sorry. I, I think Jordan's gonna have to take the the Zaire Anderson Will Compton route where he makes a practice squad and then just keeps working on the team decides that they have to keep him. Um, you know and and Compton's now the Mike linebacker for the the Redskins and he, he's Zaire. a captain if I remember correctly. You know yeah he is and Zaire's gonna start this weekend for the Broncos so. You know that that's you see a little bit of that with, with Husker players where they 
that drives there, they're going to keep working. Keep grinding, yeah. They, they, they make teams because of that. And so I think I think that's the way that the West Ham's going to have to go. He's a heck of a receiver. He's got great hands. He's going to have to prove himself. But I think he will. What's it going to be like seeing no Armstrong and no Westerkamp in Nashville? It's going to be hashtag run the dad gumball. So I, I, no. ta- I was talking to one of my volleyball players <laughs> back in August, and I looked at her dead in the eye and said, nobody named Riker Five has ever taken anybody to the promised land. Uh, <laughs> Bless your soul, you're absolutely correct. <laughs> and, and I say that as, as a person who's, whose sister-in-law teaches at Grand Island Senior High, so she probably knows Riker or knew Riker. Um, you know, I've, I, because I like to plug myself in, cause I'm not on, on this podcast very often. I'm going to keep talking, but, um, you know, I've been, I, I, I was a Husker fan in Boulder, Colorado and, and bus fans are the very worst fans on the planet and thought the Huskers were a huge rival, even though they, they, they weren't. Um, and so I don't remember where I was going with this, but I think Riker's, Riker scares me, but I think we'll be okay. Now, does Zach Darlington scare you? No, he's a great holder. Oh, you mean as a quarterback? Yes, but as a holder, he's great. I think the notion of of Zach Darlington getting hit once, like hard, and getting another concussion that that terrifies me. Um, I've said this for four years, though. I know I've said it for four years. I've said it for four years. Okay, I know somebody said it for four years. (laughs) Have you ever seen Not Another Teen Movie? That's all I want to say about that. I have. Uh, 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 it's not Billy Bob. It's Reggie Ray. Yeah. Reggie Ray. <laughs> Get out there, damn it. I'll tell you that the person that I found out about um, Jordan Westerkamp from was, was Tim Beck's wife. She looked at me and goes, Jordan Westerkamp is out for the Bulls game. I was like, what? About this now? So that, that wasn't awkward. Columbus. That wasn't awkward in an awkward conversation with the. Uh... No, no, it was. Did you ask her if JT Barrett really made the first down? Turns like <laughs> turns out Urban Meyer is a great dude, but that's not related to anything else we're talking about right now. Plus, we don't like to uh, uh, put that type of uh, uh, unfactual propaganda on our show. Yeah, no, I'm. I'm Urban's. I'm... Urban's probably a pretty good guy. He's probably just high strung all the hell. Uh, any any thousand percent accurate. Any chance that Harbaugh leaves Michigan for for the Rams? Because that was a rumor this week. Absolutely not. I wouldn't think so. I mean, because uh, he's getting paid as much, if not more, than most NFL coaches, and he's he's kind of got his team set up in a pretty good spot. So uh, he might retire at Michigan, and I hope that's Harbaugh soon. Harbaugh has every chance coaching the Rams that the three of us have. Yeah, but in all now, fairness, I'll say this. I'll say this. He rocks the khakis a little bit better than I do. Well, well I don't know, everybody cool. does. I the khakis better than anybody. So shut up, Brian. I'll say this about Harbaugh. He's worn his welcome out everywhere. Except, but, but at the same time, if you get rid of him, your team goes downhill. Stanford kind of did a little bit. Stanford really hasn't been the same since. Harbaugh's recruits left. Okay. San Francisco. Um, Chip Kelly. San Francisco is, you know, at a 32, 33% winning clip since they ran Harbaugh out of the building. And 
there's no reason to think it's not going to happen both in Michigan that he's going to wear people out. And if he had, I mean, um, think, think of what he's done in his second year, you know, um, he, he's gotten them back to back in the national talk again. So people in, in Ann Arbor are loving him. And, and unless the, unless there's a, a, a Baylor or Minnesota esque scandal, He's not going to go anywhere. Fifteen years ago, would we even be talking about this about about him possibly leaving? Wouldn't wouldn't a guy like him be ingrained at, at Michigan until he retired? Wouldn't, I was going to say, wouldn't wouldn't that be like his legacy job? You know, I mean, right. I don't I don't know. Here's a here's a kicker about him though. You know, I just said yeah, Urban's a little high strung. How how high strung is? I mean. Jim Harbaugh is like Cameron and Ferris Bueller day off high strung. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Wow. Now, wow. You remember what? <laughs> Think about this. Think about this. Ferris Bueller. You watch, you watch the game, right? You're my hero. You, you watch the game. Michigan Ohio State, you watch the game, right? The yep. offside that Michigan got called on that Harbaugh snaps on. Breaks the headset. And I mean, breaks the headset throws the play card to midfield where he gets the unsportsmanlike conduct. How do you look at that and say, you know, you're right, Jim. You have an argument. You don't. Michigan's clearly offside. And I mean clearly offside. Neutral zone infraction. Eat the five yards. Get back to first down. No, you blow your gasket. You throw your headset, snap it in half. Come on. What are you doing? Ah, Seriously. You know? But look at it this way. He and went to the same somebody, school as Bo Pelini for anger management. Exactly. I was just going right. to say that. Someone's getting real pissed off of saying that. This is what we thought about. This is what other people thought about Bo Pelini when we watched him do this. What's the difference, though? Well, one wins and one doesn't. Exactly. One just clipped a five-star out of uh, Michigan, and the other one um, is in the FCS playoffs. Yeah, with uh, so. m- minus some, some players. For that disciplinary reasons, that he will not talk about, sir. Right, right. But anyway. they're still. But 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 point being is this: you get that high, you're going to snap. Somehow you're going to snap. Okay, Harbaugh, fair or not, right or wrong, is over two against Urban Meyer, and he's brought in to beat Urban Meyer. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. He was brought in to beat Urban Meyer. He hasn't done that yet. Everybody in Ann Arbor, then everybody fans of Michigan going, oh, the spot was bad, blah, 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 blah. Well, there's also the pick six. There's also the play after that. You know, it's more than that. But, you know, there's this obsession with Harbaugh that, you know, yeah, he's doing well in recruiting. Yeah, he's doing well. You know, he he gets really good discounts at Ruth Chris when you play Rutgers. (laughs) But, you know, in the whole green scheme of things, He's got to win football games. No, he's got to win the game. His last chance to beat Urban. What's that? Is next year his last chance to beat Urban Meyer? If he doesn't do it next year and he doesn't go to Indianapolis because of it, then he's going to catch a lot of hell because you're not making $9 million to just, you know, make the – what bowl are they going to? Orange Bowl this year? I was going to say to finish second in the – or potentially third in the division. You finish third in the division and you're playing – a Florida State team got ran over in the ACC in the, in their home game. You're not getting paid to do that. I mean, 
Yeah, I'm not saying he's Brady Hoke 2.0 because it's definitely not. But, no. but hey, you know, there's got to be results. You know, we, we crack. Uh, even when we say Mike Riley does well, we said both we need to do well. There's got to have results. If you don't have the results, then you, know, you can say a lot of good things about a guy in June and August or immediate days, but come November, December, if they if, if the results don't pay off, then what do you, you know, there's nothing else you can really say. So, and, and this is wrapping it back around to, to Nebraska football, but, but last night after we were down 2-0 to Michigan, or Michigan, oh my God, what am I even paying attention to? <laughs> we're down, oh, we're yeah. down to, to Texas in the volleyball match. You know, my Twitter was, hey, we've done this before. Hey, we're okay. God forbid we don't score on a drive in a football game. I was like, oh my God, burn the house down, fire Riley. There's what? a lot more leniency, I think. A lot more uh, room for error uh, from a, a program that is, you know, 12 months removed from winning a national championship versus a team that has, uh, like Brian said, not you know, won a conference title in 15 years, yeah. 17 years, whatever it is. Plus, let's look at something. John Cook, you know, the one thing I remember about the Penn State match was that John Cook looked about as excited as checking out a library book. Fair enough. The whole match. And, yeah, Mike kind of does that too, but, you know, how, you know, is there anybody saying today that John Cook's offense stinks or, um, what's her name, Danny Busroom? God, I'm glad she's gone to Louisville or, you know, is anybody saying that? No one's saying that. No, you know. nobody is nobody saying you're and, and you're absolutely right about that. Because football and, is the vehicle that drives the athletic department and, and through that uh, the sports media journalism surrounding the pro, uh, surrounding the university. Mark Banker had a top twenty five total defense this year. Okay. But guess what? Do you remember that or do you remember that he gave up forty to Iowa? Or I'm sorry, 60. I was thinking about the 62 at Ohio State. What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. I, I kind of sort of – I don't discount it per se, but I just realized that that was the – that like I was the – you know, Ohio State's got better players. Let's face it, their star value at starting positions, how far I'll see it in Nebraska. Your disappointed game is going to be Iowa where you were better talent-wise on the field and you just flat out got your ass stomped. Okay. I, I, I'm not excusing – Ohio State, but I can see it much more than I can see Iowa, by far. Well, I agree with that. How? And and I, I thought this after Polini was fired, but who do we? Let let to say two years down the road, Riley hasn't won a conference championship, and so we we show him the door. Who takes the Nebraska job that gets us to a, a, a conference championship? And you guys can say, "Shut up, Ty. You're a volleyball guy. I don't want to talk football with you. That's fine." But like, that's that's a fine question, but here's I don't, my I don't I guess I don't I don't know who gets the job, but I know who Nebraska fans will perennially want to have that job. Yeah, and it's got Stonewood River, so shut up. Yeah. <laughs> but but here's the thing. Let's say Danny Langsdorf's still here two years down the road and he's done pretty well with Patrick O'Brien or Gabier or Tanner Lee or whoever he gets at eighteen. You know. And, and but Mike Riley hasn't won something because Baker's still here, you know. Do you say okay? Well, maybe Langstorff should get the job. Maybe I don't know. 
you, you say, well, Danny Linkster has been here five years. Let's have him at the job because he knows these players. He knows his offense and just got the defense. Or do you bring in a guy that knows the Nebraska way, which is Scott Frost, which Scott Frost has never coached at Nebraska, but sure, he played here, so he should know the Nebraska way. But then again, so would Doug Coleman, so would Turner Gills, so would Tommy Kevin Frazier. Taylor Martinez. Tommy Frazier, Kevin Steele. Um, Taylor Martinez knows the Nebraska way. John Papachis would know the Nebraska way better than that case, so that's the case. Jack but, but do you see what I'm, do you see what I'm saying? You know, and I – and I still buy this, especially with the recruiting class, because, you know, we had another meltdown over something that Nebraska couldn't control today in recruiting. You know, it, 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 if the players get better and, this, and Mike Riley leaves Nebraska better than he found it, is that really all would – is that fair to say Mike Riley then was successful if he didn't win a conference title? No, I, I, like like you said, the, I think the key phrase in your question was he he left it better than he found it, and I think it's fair to say that for the most part, what he found was a pretty bare cupboard. If Nebraska's got, is it at this point fair to say that anybody in the West who doesn't win a conference title is not successful because the dominance is in the East right now? I mean, Wisconsin's almost there. Wisconsin really broken through. See, everybody says that, but at the same time, in the last two years, well, the West is wide open. Well, who's been in the ponies the last three years? Wisconsin, Iowa, Wisconsin. You know, Nebraska's kind of close, but they're not. You know, it's not like Minnesota's been there really close. Right. It's not like, you know, Purdue's given a guy that is in his first Power 5 job, $3.3 million, the coach. Um, Illinois has a former NFL head coach that doesn't really recruit very well. It, it almost like makes the legends and the leaders or whatever the hell they called it those first couple of years seem more legit than the East and the West, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, who says who says James Franklin's being successful? I mean, yeah, granted, he, they won the title this year. But who says, you know, what if they don't block the kick against Ohio State? You know? Oh, God. Penn State fans that he's not being successful. I'll tell him and they and come at me. I, hey. took, I, took a, I took 100 people yelling at me about Thomas Graham today. I can take Penn State fans. Let's, I mean, let's, let's be honest, though. Outside of Alabama right now, who is a school who is perennially good? Was it two, three years ago? Notre Dame was in the, the national championship game. Now they're, what, five and seven? Honestly, I don't know for sure what they are, but they didn't have a great oh, year this buddy. year. Oh, so. Every, buddy. Everybody will tell you they are 4 and 8. 4 and 8. That's my bad. Like, I don't. Yeah. Here's the deal. I don't care that much about Notre Dame, is, is right. actually what's happening. <laughs> but, you know, OU's pretty good. Yeah. I thought Oklahoma's pretty good. Clemson's pretty good. Brian, fix your I remember mic. this. Brian, fix your mic. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sad again. Not so much. Um, Just hold the damn know, thing, you lazy turd. Just kidding. But, uh, you know, let's think about this. Remember when Davo Sweeney and Bo Pelini played in the Gator Bowl? Mm-hmm. Was it the Gator Bowl? They're both in their first year. Davo just got the job from a fire Tommy Fountain. And we all thought Davo was the one that was going to get fired and Bo Pelini was going to be one. 
you know, with the whale trophy, say Nebraska's back kids and we're here to stay. And, yeah. and now all of a sudden Dabo's in his second college football playoff in as many years, you know, and we're going to play an Ohio state team that. Bo's they, also in the final four. So yeah. Insane. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 you know, I think what people don't get, and I think Alabama kind of spoils it and Clemson kind of spoils it to a fault. It's so cynical, cynical, cyclical college football for most. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I do. For 95% of the teams that are out there. Right. Okay. Bama, you can kind of say Bama's kind of benefited from a weakening SEC West, you know, to a fault. Mississippi in general. Alabama well, is the Wisconsin of the SEC. Best team in a crap con- uh, in a crap division. Okay, would you take Nebraska against LSU? Uh, based on what we heard today about Leonard Fournette not playing, yes. Okay, would you take would you take Tennessee? Yeah. Would you take Tennessee, who got their crap tossed out of it by a Vanderbilt team that shouldn't be on the same field with them against Nebraska? No, I'm still pulling for the Big Red. I mean, I I still think that if they – I'm not going to use any hashtags here, but we know that Tennessee has a very porous run defense, and Nebraska has a stable of capable running backs. And if the offensive line will remove its head from its collective butt, uh, then I like, I, I like the run game, especially when you don't have Tommy – and you have Riker Fife who had wrist surgery less than a month ago. Is that fair? All right. That's fair. And I think the question then becomes, you know, what does Nebraska then look like next year? Offensively. Do you, do you, to, to me, I have faith in this staff developing players in a way that the previous staff did not. Yes. And I'm I'm and I've I've said it before. I'm excited for spring ball and a true quarterback competition. All right, dumb question for y'all. I want to see your opinion. There okay. are no dumb questions. There are just dumb answers, and I'm prepared to give you one. Okay, really we fired we fired Bruce <laughs> Reed. Okay, Nebraska fired Bruce Reed, and Nebraska, for the most part, everybody thought that Bruce Reed was the weakest link, assistant coach wise, on the team. Now that he's gone, okay, now that he's gone, in your opinion, who's the weakest link, assistant-wise? I have no idea. Because I know exactly who I'd say, and I can justify it. I, I, I can't, so I submit to you two. I'm, I'm, th- I'm thinking, and... and... I, although the name escapes, well, I guess probably uh, Kavanaugh, Coach no, Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh is going to pull Kavanaugh pull two four stars. He's probably going to pull a five star in recruiting. Okay, but it, as far as player can, you development, can, you can say his development. Okay, I'll, I'll listen to that for a fault, but you know, at the same time, you pull your weight in recruiting. I'll give you a benefit of a doubt. Because if you do one and not the other, okay, can I choose Ross Ells then? 
Ross Sells can die. <laughs> no, not die. No, let's be come on now. I don't want to die in a fire. Nobody I want to go back. To that's, not, that's not fast. Go play golf in a fire. I'm not fire, but I like golf. Okay. Okay, my answer. My answer. Reggie Davis. And okay. I'll tell you why. Number I was going to say, there's a big, long pause there. I was waiting for justification. You he's, made me wait five he's seconds. Pulled exact, he's pulled exactly one kid in two years. Okay. Nebraska does not have a running back for the cycle yet. Okay. Everything I've seen, he, they want to flip a kid. There's no true target that Nebraska can take. Okay. They want to flip Stephen Carr from Southern Cal. Probably not going to happen. They want to flip Nathan Till from Arizona. That ship's probably sailed. Um, Jamar Peacock was a kid they really wanted. I'm, if I remember right, he's going to Louisville. Okay. There's nobody that's coming. Okay. The kid he pulled last year, Trey Bryant, pretty good, but you kind of haven't seen a lot of him this year, especially with Devine Zigbo and Mikhail Wilbon and Milk Cartons at the time this year. Okay. Has Terrell Newby gotten better? In two years, I would say he got that, a little better, but I would. But is that by default, or is that because you know nobody else has stepped up? I would say that that newbie, you know, in in this his senior year, I would say that he finally was given the opportunity to show his ability and and through consistent uh, field time and, and consistent touches. Uh, I I think that. Yeah, you can say what you want about Illinois, but I can I I think that the way that that uh, the, between the play calling and, and his performance in that second half, uh, I I think that was a, a real big turning point for him because up up until then we were talking about Tommy Armstrong's legs, and then after that, you know that twenty play drive, sixteen minute drive, whatever it was, we were talking about Terrell Newby and and his ability to just grind out drives and get yards when when we needed them the most uh, so i think okay. I, I think that game and again you can you can say it was against illinois and and the, the 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 struggles that they've had but i i think that you know that that was a, a very high profile outing for him okay take your own newbie out of it next year here's what you have you have a Zigbo, who kind of starter, kind of starter, probably falls back in the starter. You have Will Bond, who's the coaches seem to honestly don't trust. Okay, you got Trey Bryant, who is probably closer to a starter than we think, but the the fumbling issues were there. You have Adam Taylor, who's never played a down at running back. Hey, will, will he be back next year? I thought. I thought. Back. I thought he was. Is he a redshirt junior this year? He is a redshirt junior this year. He's going to be having a disagree. He's a, he's one of the, you know, and, and I say this, and I know someone's going to write in on the comments. Oh, you're so mean. Oh, you're terrible. Oh, you're such a vicious bastard. Oh. But um, Adam Taylor gets his degree this spring, okay? Is there honestly a reason that Nebraska needs to keep Adam Taylor? If he's not going to find the field. And I don't say that to be a jerk. I say that because Nebraska's fulfilled his part of their part of the deal. They got him. His he has his bachelor's degree. Right. 
Yeah. I think they're, they're, I mean, his option is, you know, continue. He's got three options. Continue and finish out his career in Nebraska. Uh, do a grad transfer or retire from football. And let's face it, he was playing earlier this year in special teams. I don't remember seeing him the last six, seven games of the year. I, I Unless don't, you all do. I don't re- recall, but I didn't see him because it's, you know, I, I, I see the the guys who were making the tackles, and I didn't necessarily always see him. Um, yeah. he, here's the thing. I I would like to see him, you know, be, be given the opportunity to stick it out and be given the opportunity to do what he was brought in to do as a running back, a highly touted running back from uh, from Texas. The reason being is I think at some point, and maybe this is – I don't know, maybe this is the wrong approach for college football where, you know, every game matters. But I think at some point you do have to reward the loyalty. And he could have he could have been like, well, I'm not – you brought me in here to do this, and I don't want to play special teams, so I'm going to go to TCU or, you know, wherever. I mean, any any place that, that would that would take him. I think I think at some point you got to reward the loyalty that he has shown to the program. And I know what you're saying, Brian, as the university has fulfilled its side of the deal by, by you know, giving him his – not giving him, but, you know, providing him with the, the education. Um, but I would, I, I've always been high on the kid. I would like to see him get at least some modest opportunity on, on offense if if he had the interest. In, and we don't, I, I've never talked to him. I, maybe he's – happy in his role maybe maybe he came in and thought you know man there's a whole heck of a lot of pressure that I didn't anticipate you know from from that you know from a lot of scrutiny you know things like that I'm I'm just gonna he chill played over Texas here. high school football I'm pretty sure he's got the pressure down I'm yeah, just saying I'm not I'm not again I'm not discounting that but I still think that there's a difference between Texas high school football and the University of Nebraska Cornhusker football Ooh, not a lot not a lot. Come at Ty, me, Texas. Come at me, Texas. I, I have no hot take on that. Um, I, I, I mean, high school football is high school football. FBS football is, is I'm going to say different than that, but I feel like you're going to disagree with me. <laughs> They're going to pull 50 grand this weekend at ETT Stadium for a high school game. It doesn't so. make it right. No, but that's what, Snap. you know. Look at Ty coming in with, with, Buzz, with the logic. Buzz Bissinger wasn't off by much when he wrote that book. What was that book again? Friday Night Lights. Yeah. You know what's better? Saturday afternoon football. You were going to say live. Live Um. All right, anyway, I'm out of beer, and that means we got to wrap this up so I can get more beer. I was going to say, it's an hour and a half. We probably put someone to sleep by now. No, you know what? Yeah, I, my- I, I think the presence of Ty has really, really kept uh, really kept us focused somewhat. But yes. uh, I, I know the first half when we were talking volleyball was, was really a really good conversation. And, and, Ty, I appreciate you spending some time, uh, uh, you know, from – you know, live from your hotel room, Springfield, Illinois, uh, joining us on the Five Heart Podcast, and and uh, I wish you safe travels as you as you make your way back home to your lovely wife and and uh, all your friends and and blue bro- uh, blue 
Blood Brewing Company there in Lincoln. Yes, go see the new Blue Blood Brewing Brewery. Right? Uh, that, that's not easy to say. <laughs> I tried. Shameless plug for Blue Blood Brewing um, because I've practiced saying it. But um, no, I guys, I, I appreciate the uh, the time and and it was really fun to talk uh, volleyball and a little bit of football. I'll be there eating steak next week. I, you know what? I will. I will see you at the brewery, sir. Yeah. I, I'm going to bring Emerson. She likes steak too. Ne- next she week. Also like, she also likes cardboard boxes that service slides. She's oh god. <laughs> see now. I feel like we just opened up a new. Both, both, both Ty and Greg have met my daughter. Okay. She she's an angel. She really is. We, we brought we we brought we brought Emerson and Cobby to Ty's house one night. Emerson Cobby and Cobby. Fun, but anyway. Um, Cobby destroyed all the inflatables in the front of the house. Yeah, well, I, I got him. But we, we Ty, Ty, do you feel like before. Cobby was the son you never wanted? Y- yeah. Okay, carry on. That goes up saying. Ty- <laughs> Emerson, bless her heart, she she watched football with us, but she liked these boxes that they had. And and the and the girls were like, "Oh, she's just a cute," and she's sliding down, sliding down, bump my head. Oh, crap, why? Yeah, okay. So, Greg <laughs> met my daughter. I did. In downtown Dallas. Yep. And First time I met her was actually, it was at an In-N-Out. In-N-Out, yes. In-N-Out. Yep. I mean, it's not Tim Hortons, but all right, good talk. In doubt, it is not. You're right. It's just unfortunate. But we went to Hoprow State. Went to this place called Hoprow in uptown Dallas. Within walking distance of where John F. Kennedy was assassinated. Continue. Yeah. Sorry, you're bringing um, on a downbeat real fast. Um... And all I remember is Greg drinking Lone Star. That's true, because when you're in Texas, you drink the crappiest beer in um, Texas. He was drinking Lone Star, and Emerson kept pulling his beard. This is back when Emerson was, like, really young, though. This was in May of 2015. So, yeah. now, was, while... She was still pretty young. Now, Brian, while you're back in Nebraska next weekend, uh, oh, the 23rd, when our next episode drops uh, is the first birthday of my son, uh, so we'll be having uh, on tw- on the twenty third Friday morning our very first annual, very special Christmas special episode. We're going to get uh, uh, some some audio tidbits from uh, several uh, as as many of our of our uh, coronation contributors as as are uh, uh, wanting to contribute and. A special guest coming oh, up uh, in episode 17 of the Five Heart Podcast here on Coronation and JitteryMonkey.com. Uh, final thoughts? We'll go to you, Ty. Uh, not, not Ty, we're going to throw it back to you because you were breaking up and I couldn't hear crap. It did sound... As, as as excited as, as was at the uh, the Wi Fi at the hotel, um, but now uh, 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 I think Husker volleyballs had a great run this year, and and we'll see more. But but I think I don't think next year is as bad as as many believe. a lot of talent coming back and a lot of talent coming up through this system. Throwing it to you, Bry. Um. Um, recruiting's happening, <laughs> and well, you know, it, it, and I always tell myself, man, I'm gonna get a little bit of rest between the bowl game 
in Iowa, and it we never. We got a lot to look forward to next year. Yeah. This, this year was. I'm so confused Hello. right now. I don't know if that was, was Ty trying to jump in on on Brian's message, or if he was trying to finish his that was on a huge delay. Yes, I agree. I was not intentionally trying to jump in. No, it's okay. He does it to me. He doesn't matter, Ty. It's all right. No, no, no. I, I like I said. I thought it, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm half convinced now that like Ty's, like statement of, of his final thoughts, like cut off and then delayed about 15 seconds and was talking over. It's not your fault, Ty. I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at Springfield. I'm mad at the storm. It's all good, Brian. Hey. You're, you're gonna sleep yeah. at some point. Yeah, I think Ty should go to the basketball Hall of Fame if he gets stuck in Springfield. Take a picture sounds of that. Like, sounds like a plan. You know what you Just should don't. do in Springfield is go and uh, uh, visit some of our very honorable uh, Illinois legislators. Honorable. And ask them what they're doing with all of my damn tax money. Rod What's his name? Rod Blasipovich? Uh No, he he's in prison. We're we're actually we're actually on to our uh, second governor after him. Thanks. Oh, okay. And it's a Republican, believe it or not. And, and gas is still five bucks a gallon there, man. No, it's two twenty eight. It's like what? 219 here, so. Yeah. What? Yeah, kind of makes you want to move to Illinois, doesn't it, Brian? At 204 a gallon, the answer's no, Bob. All right, fine. No. All right, the answer well. which will always be no from me. <laughs> yeah, and uh, on that happy note, I don't have any final thoughts because it's just going to make me sad. Uh, enjoy your uh, adult beverages this weekend's folk. Let me try that again. I've apparently been enjoying mine. Enjoy your adult beverages this weekend, folks, and uh, do so safely and responsibly, as always, uh, for uh, Brian Toll and our very special guest, Ty Peter Onitz of Coronation.com. I'm Greg Mahachko. This has been the Five Heart Podcast, reminding you this week and every week that Five Heart is all the heart you need. Go Big Red. Good night now. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com.